right. Good morning, Life Point Church. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone had a great week. Um, just, man, I'm so thankful to be here, hanging out with you all today, being able to connect, be able to worship together. Um, just quick shout out to our worship team, and they, they continue, I feel like, to get better, yeah, week in and week out. So give it up to them. They're, they do such an amazing job, and, you know, it's, it, we were talking, um, we always spend a little time in prayer before, and just, it just hit me just again, just like, how much of a privilege it is to even be able to speak the name of Jesus. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. So, man, it's just amazing to be able to do that. I'm not going to get into that because then we'll go down a whole other rabbit trail. And that's okay if that's what we're going to do, but we're just going to jump into this. So just, just I'm going to leave that with you there. Just remember that it's a privilege to be able to worship and to speak his name, and we need to not take that for granted. So, but today, today is week two of our current message series called Blessed. And in this series, what we're doing is we're checking out the first 12 verses of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, right? The first 12 verses of the Sermon on the Mount uh, with Jesus' most famous teaching or, or preaching uh, lesson that we, that we see in Scripture. And um, it's very common, very well known. And in these first 12 verses, Jesus is basically pronouncing nine blessings over the crowd and specifically to his disciples, and pronouncing blessings, as we talked about last week, is a very common way of teaching for, for rabbis or other Jewish leaders and teachers of this, this time period. It was very common for them to, to pronounce these blessings, or as we know them, the Beatitudes. And, um, but as we discussed last week, though this was a very common way of teaching, you know, Jesus is Jesus, right? He always did things radically different. It's one of the things I love about him. He, he shook the game up. And even in teaching, a very common way of, of teaching these blessings, he flipped it upside down. He turned it on its head because the teachings before were all about what the individual could do or should do. You do this, you're blessed, right? You're blessed if you do X, Y, and Z. And then as it got more into a political climate, it became this whole dynamic of you're blessed if you can do X, Y, and Z, but you're also blessed if you have this social status, or if you were born into the right family, or if you look a certain way, that's how you're blessed. And Jesus came in knowing that that's how they taught, and he taught very similar structure, but said, no, I'm going to change the game, because the, my kingdom is different. It is not the same as this world. And so he brought these nine blessings that were extremely powerful extremely transformational, and honestly very shocking to everyone, probably more so to the people that were sitting there uh, listening to him teaching. And, and, you know, as we talked about last week, you know, we spent the majority of our time last week kind of going through the context of everything because context is so important. When we study scripture, it has to be done within context. And, and what we see in, in understanding chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, like we really need to know Two key things, right? What was Jesus' core message, and who was he teaching it to? And that's one of the things that we talked about last week, and, and we saw that his core message we found in chapter 4, right? That, that he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus was pronouncing the fact that there was good news, right? The, the promises in the Old Testament that God had shared about uh, him coming down to earth and reclaiming his rightful place as the, the king of this world. Like that promise, Jesus was saying, the time is now. And that is going to be fulfilled in and through me. That's where it's going to begin, right? And then it's going to continue. The kingdom of heaven is near. And then the other key piece that we looked at is, who was he talking to, right? Because you got to know that. We got to know who he's talking to to better understand it. And, and again, we see that also in chapter 4. In, in chapter 5, when it kicks off, it says he was talking to, he sat down and talked to his disciples. Well, we know disciples are those who follow Jesus, right? And who was following Jesus from chapter 4 that we read? Well, it was the sick, the diseased, the demon-possessed, the paralyzed, those who were in pain, essentially the outcasts, the rejects, the people that society said didn't matter, the unimportant 
the forgotten about. That's who was following Jesus, and that's who Jesus pronounced these nine blessings to. Oh, yeah, and there were four fishermen too, right? Working class. They were there too. They were represented. But this is who he was teaching to. This is who he chose to bring his beautiful, world-changing message of the kingdom of heaven to first. This is who he chose to bring it to first. It's, it's incredible. And then last week, once we built that foundation, we went ahead and jumped into these blessings, right? And we hit it with Matthew 5, 3, right out the gate, which was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit being those who understand their need for God. That's who he brought the news to first. It kind of like caps all nine of them right, right there in one. He kind of leads off with, here, this is what it's really all about. And if you missed last week, there's so much more there. There's so much more context and things that help us to clearly understand the Beatitudes a little bit better. So if you, haven't, if you weren't here last week or you didn't watch online, I encourage you to go back and check it out because I think it'll be helpful for you moving forward. But today we're going to continue on and we're going to look at, again, these shocking, beautiful, revolutionary blessings that Jesus proclaimed. And we're going to look at the next three. Right, So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4, 5, and 6. So let's just go ahead and read that. Check it out. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Again, Very beautiful promises, beautiful blessings that Jesus is is speaking to this group of outcasts, people that society wanted nothing to do with. Jesus was saying again, you know this information as you're blessed if you do X, Y, and Z, but I'm saying you're blessed because of who you are. I'm saying you're blessed because you understand your need for a Savior, probably more than anyone else in the culture at that time. Because they had nothing. They were seeking. They were ready for something new. And Jesus pronounced these blessings over them. And just like last week, and as I already said, context is everything. Right? Context is key. And if you take these three blessings, pull them out of context or pull them as like a one-off verse and read it, um, they can get pretty confusing. They can get really messed up and manipulated to all kinds of different things. But when we read these three together, right, I think specifically these three, I mean, they really begin to come alive because I think they complement each other and they kind of build on each other. Again, Jesus knows what he's doing. He's like the greatest teacher of all time. He knew what he was doing. So let's check these out, and I'm going to do my best, again, as a flawed dude who's not perfect, to try my best to break this down and communicate this to you all in a fresh and new way that I believe within context is exactly what Jesus was trying to present to us and for us to know. So let's check out um, the first of these three that we're going to cover today, and it's blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. I think this is maybe the one that probably most of us can relate to. Uh, maybe it's the, the simplest, the most clear, because, you know, we all understand mourning, right? Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn for what? For they will be comforted. So think about the group of individuals that Jesus was speaking to, right? We've really hit that a lot. Do you think that this group of individuals, right, the sick, paralyzed, outcast, demon-possessed, you know, miserable, in pain, life's in shambles people, do you think they could relate to mourning? Yeah. Do you think they they would identify as someone who mourned? Honestly, that's probably all they knew. They probably lived in a constant state of perpetual mourning. Because they weren't happy, they were miserable because they were, again, sick, paralyzed, pushed aside, demon-possessed. There was so much going on with them. They were in turmoil. They were mourning. Maybe, again, it was because of their physical health or their mental health. 
right? Or maybe it was because of other people that they loved who were struggling and fighting in these areas that they just couldn't get freedom from. Maybe they were mourning because they constantly lived with injustice in their face every day, being treated a way that they didn't deserve to be treated just because of they were sick or because of who their family was or because of the way they looked. And they were mourning that constantly. Maybe that's their situation, but I'm sure that they lived in a perpetual state of mourning. But Jesus said, hey, I see that. I understand that for you. But guess what? You're blessed. No one had ever told them that. But he said, you're blessed. And not only did he just say, you're blessed and leave it there. He said, no, you're blessed for you will be comforted. See, he didn't just say, you're blessed because I'm here. He said, I'm here. You're blessed. But I'm also going to bring you some comfort. I got you. I'm going to meet needs. That's who Jesus was. That was his heart. That's what he's, who he is. <laughs> That's what he's about. You will be comforted. Now notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, blessed are those who mourn, for they will mourn no more. No, he just said, you will be comforted. You see, as long as we live in this world, this fallen, flawed world where sin runs rampant, it's here, there's going to be mourning because we're not perfect. The world's not perfect. It's flawed. See, back in verse 4, what do we know, or chapter 4, what do we know about the people that were following Jesus? We knew their condition, right? We kind of hit that over and over again. But we also read that Jesus healed them. He healed their physical needs, emotional needs, mental health needs. He cast out demons. He healed them. It's beautiful. But they still needed comfort in mourning because it was never going to end. Because it's not just a symptom of something that external that we see. It's a symptom of the world we live in. And so Jesus says, hey, blessed are those who mourn, because we all mourn, for you'll be comforted. I've got your back. You don't have to walk this journey alone. You'll be comforted. The next blessing or beatitude that we see that Jesus pronounces over this group of his disciples, these people that were following him, is blessed are the meek. Right? Blessed are the meek. Chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, for me personally, this is the one that throughout my life has been a bit of a head scratcher for me. Right? It's, it's been a little confusing for me. Um, primarily because, one, I, I really struggle with identifying, like, as meek. Um, but also, I, I typically was taught this and read this verse just completely out of context. Like meekness was something that I had to like aspire to be. I had to strive for. But that's not what we see here. So again, I'm going to do my best to walk you through this as I'm trying to still constantly wrap my head around this. But, but I believe there's some key things here that we can see that will really help us to understand this verse and what Jesus was saying, this blessing that he's pronouncing over people that will come to, live, uh, come to life in our lives and in our hearts. So the first thing I want us to do is look at the word meek itself, right? It's not a very common word today, but when you look it up in the Oxford Dictionary, it is defined as quiet, gentle, easily imposed on, and submissive. Thus the reason I struggle to identify with this word. Because if you know me, no one's ever said, Andy, you're kind of quiet. Never happened, not once. I don't think anyone's ever said, man, you're easily imposed on. No, I don't think so. I'm not, I try not to be a jerk or whatever, but you know, that's, that's just, I don't hear that. So it's just kind of like that's not my demeanor. That's not my personality. God didn't wire me necessarily to be quiet. It's just not how I'm wired. But that doesn't mean can't be meek. 
Because, see, when we look at the biblical understanding and usage and definition of the word meek, it's a little different. The biblical definition is gentleness of spirit. It's very different than what in the modern day we would say is being gentle or quiet, submissive, or whatever words you want to put into that. See, we've got to be very careful with taking modern day definitions of words and ascribing them to Jesus' teaching way back when. We've got to be very careful with that. We've got to pay attention to that. Because Jesus is not saying you have to be quiet. You know, one of the definitions, you know, I always gives a sentence. It was like, Susie is meek. That's why we call her a mouse or something silly like that. Like, you think of this meek, timid person, and that's not what Jesus is saying that we have to be. He's saying we have to be gentle in spirit. You want to know one of the reasons why a lot of people run away from the church and then ultimately run away from God? Because Christians aren't meek. To be honest, they're kind of jerks. I mean, just being honest. But we are to be meek, gentle in spirit. Being meek is basically, when you look again at the Old Testament usage of this, it, it was the people that were called meek were those that completely relied on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. They relied on God as opposed to their own strength to defend against injustice. They didn't feel that they had to buck up and act crazy. They said, I'm going to trust God's going to handle that, and I'm going to continue to seek him. Doesn't mean you don't speak up when you need to speak up. I'll get to that here in a second. But we need to be meek. We need to rely on God. Meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. Again, a lot of Christians out there, I'm not trying to bang on or be that negative person, but there's a lot of Christians out there that are seeking their self-interest over seeking God and what his interest is in this world today. Meekness is the opposite of that. Meekness is to 100% rely on God in all things. That's being meek. I heard someone once state that meekness means to be unimportant. And if that were the case, then I think it's more of, being unimportant in your state of mind. You see, Moses, back in Numbers chapter 12, was referred to as being meek. So in that definition, that would say Moses is unimportant. But we know that Moses was important. He had a role to play. But you see, Moses didn't think of himself as important. He thought of himself as, I can't do this. He was gentle in spirit. And he fully relied on God to do everything that God wanted to do in and through him. It wasn't about him. It was about what God wanted to do. And he said, God, I can't do this. And God's like, I got you. And he's like, okay, let's roll. He was meek. He didn't think of himself as something special. Hey, then there's Jesus himself. Jesus himself, God in the flesh, the son of God, all powerful, all knowing, could do anything, right? This is the same Jesus that, that, that took on the Pharisees head on, constantly. This is the same Jesus that, that turned over the tables, the money changers, the money changers tables, drove them out of the temple when they were making a mockery of his home, of his temple, of his house. This is the same Jesus that faced head on a brutal beating and then suffered a long and painful death for you. Then died, rose again, defeated death, hell, and the grave. This is Jesus, powerful. But check out how he describes himself in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. He says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. But Jesus was powerful. He was everything. He's God in the flesh, deserving of all worship, all praise, and yet he says, I am meek. Goes on Matthew 20 to say, I didn't come to be served, though he should have been and could have been. He said, I didn't come to serve, but I came to serve 
and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's meek. It's meekness. He knew his power, but he knew his mission, and he fully submitted to God's plan for his life. He was meek. You see, Jesus, he came to serve. He came to lay down his life. But let's not get it twisted. Jesus could have handled Judas. <laughs> Jesus could have handled those Roman soldiers and, and the temple guards that came to arrest him. He could have taken them. Psh, they ain't nothing. But he chose. He chose to submit to God's will. Father, take this cup of suffering from me. He prayed that. But not my will, but your will be done. It's meekness. And I think about the people that he was speaking to, right? When he said, blessed are the meek, right? You're talking about a group of outcasts, rejects, who experienced injustice day in and day out constantly in their face yet they didn't have a voice the ability the social status to do anything about it they wanted to but they couldn't so their only option was to rely on God this is why he brought it to them first because they were the most ready to receive his truth they were meek he said the meek will inherit the earth. They will inherit the kingdom of God. The final blessing that we're covering today is the blessing that, again, I think kind of, it kind of leads to all these. It really ties them all up together. Because I think in this blessing, we see both meekness and mourning. And it's this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It says, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So again, let's first look at the biblical usage of the definition of the word righteousness versus the modern day definition. Because again, we see a little bit of difference, and it's very important today when you look up the word righteousness again oxford dictionary we're rolling with that it defines it as the quality of being morally right or justified the quality of being morally right which is very different than the hebrew scripture old testament definition of the word righteousness which is defined um the definition that Jesus uses when he's teaching, when he's saying this blessing, which is to restore to a right relationship. So right now we have, you know, the definition of this, the quality of being morally right versus what Jesus was saying. It's to restore a right relationship. Most importantly, a relationship with God and a relationship with people. That's righteousness. Therefore, an act of righteousness would be any act that would either create or maintain a right relationship with somebody. So we need to seek righteousness. Again, you want to know why so many Christians today are viewed as just mean? I mean, there's studies that say, like, who are some of the meanest people, like Christians? You want to know why when you get on Facebook and you see those the Christians out there that are just blasting everyone else? One, like we've said, it's because they're not living with meekness. They're not gentle in heart. But the other piece of this is they're seeking to be right over being righteous. They're putting being right and winning an argument over people who are hurting, hurting and are broken and who don't know Jesus. They would rather be right and damn these people. But that's not what we see. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I love the fact that Jesus, it's funny because I just said it, and I almost put it in the notes and up here, it's that, just to shorten it, but I think there's power in what the wording that Jesus used. Blessed are those, it doesn't say blessed are those who seek righteousness, 
No, it's those that hunger and thirst for righteousness because it shows this deep longing and deep desperation for true righteousness, for right relationships in the world and a right relationship with God. Think about it. Has there ever been a time in your life where like, you were like, legit, for real, thirsty <laughs> or really hungry? I, I was out yesterday and, and played golf, and, um, and this is like a super like, privileged like, position of saying like, I was thirsty, and I acknowledge that right out the gate, but it was the, the most recent thing that I was thinking of. But we went out and played early. The course was back. That was like a five-hour long, you know, you know, time out on the course. And it was like 90-something degrees by the time last last few hours, and I didn't have any more water. And, you know, the courses didn't have jugs out there because of COVID and all this stuff. So I was like, I was really thirsty, and I was getting frustrated, and I was getting a little dizzy, right? And my golf game struggled, you know, because... That's the only reason my golf game struggled, you know, because I was thirsty. No, but I was thirsty. So, but if you've ever been extremely thirsty or extremely hungry, like for real, not just I skipped lunch, but, but like you haven't eaten all day or in days, it impacts your entire being. You can't focus on anything else other than I need something to drink or I need food. It drives everything. It has a, phys- a mental impact on you. It has a physical impact on you. I know a lot of y'all, y'all get hangry out there. A lot of y'all, when you start looking at your watches, you know, or your phones while I'm preaching, you're getting, you're getting hangry, right? You want me to finish up so you can go eat lunch. I feel you. Except for the people that are online. They're probably eating right now. I feel you. But we do want you to come hang out if you feel safe to do so. We love you guys. But when you're truly hungry and truly thirsty, Everything that you do, everything you think about is, how can I get food? How can I get something to drink? It impacts everything. And so Jesus was very strategic when he said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's not people that are just seeking it or that would like to see it. No, they long to see right relationships in the world. They long to see it. And if you are physically hungry and thirsty, that means that there's an absence of food and water or liquids in your life in that moment, in that place. So for these people that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it means that there's a deficit of that in their lives, in their community, in their culture. And I think we can relate to that today. There is a deficit of right relationships in our world. There's a deficit of right relationships in our churches. There's a deficit in our right relationships with God. And we need to hunger and thirst for it. And he said, blessed are those people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those people that look around the world around them and actually take the time to look and see the toxic relationships that are taking place to see the deficits of relationships, to see their own sin, their own issues, and their own lack of relationship with God and where they're deficient, where they see toxic or destroyed relationships in their families or in their communities. It gets everywhere. We are a relationally deficient culture, like true relationship, real relationship. And Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not blessed are those that have great relationships and have it all figured out. No, just that you acknowledge it and you seek it and you long for it and you hunger for it. He says, blessed are you because what? You will be filled. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. If you want right relationships, if you seek righteousness, if you long for it, you hunger and you thirst for it, you will be filled. Not because of you. Not because you sought righteousness necessarily, but because God has impressed that upon your heart and that you long for those relationships. You long to see your culture, your church, or your community thriving relationally. You long to see other people coming into connection and relationship with Jesus. 
And if you don't long for that, you need to check yourself. Check your relationship with God and where you stand. Because that's what, that's what we do. You've been given a gift. If you know Jesus as your Savior, that's not for you just to take it in here and say, oh, I'm self-righteous, look at me. No, it's for you to go and take it and say, look what God has done for me. He can do the same thing for you because he is good and he loves you and he's there for you and he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you and, and he will be there when you mourn. He will comfort you, right? Not that you won't ever mourn again, but he's got your back when you do. Right? If you are meek, gentle in spirit, right, you'll inherit the kingdom. And if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will find it. You will be filled not just, you know, you'll get a little bit filled, right? If I take this cup and I tell someone to fill it up and they leave this much in, I said, bro, it ain't full. But Jesus said you'll be filled. Blessed are these people. Again, I think about the people Jesus was speaking to. Talk about relationally deficient. No one even wanted to be around them. No one cared whether they lived or not. Again, in that culture, in that time period, those people were nothing. They really weren't. No one cared about them. They looked around and they saw the fact that they needed relationship. Right relationship. Righteousness. Not their own, but God's. And Jesus said, you're blessed because you see that. You don't think you've got it all together. You don't think that you're perfect. You don't think that your culture is just aces. No. He said, blessed are you because you see the problems and you're hungering and thirsting for a difference, for justice, for right relationship. He said, you'll be filled. Life point, may we... Be ready to receive the blessing. Right? May we position and posture ourselves as the poor in spirit, knowing that we need it. Maybe for you today, maybe you're in a season of mourning. Whether it be physical illness that you're, work, you're walking through of years or someone else you love. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or a close friend or just somebody. Maybe it's because of the injustice that we see day in and day out in our world today. Maybe it's injustice that you face and experience every day that others may not. Maybe it's the fact that you realize your own sin and you're struggling with, with this sin or this addiction and you need to be set free from it and you're mourning the fact that you keep going back or you can't gain freedom over it. Whatever it may be, you're mourning. Jesus says you're blessed, and he will comfort you. Maybe you're in a position where you feel insignificant, right? You feel like you're not important. And if that's you, hear me clearly. Like Moses, God can, longs to, and will use you for his kingdom, for his glory, to reach other people. We can be meek. We should be meek because we know we can't do it on our own. When we try to do it on our own, we either look like a jerk and we fall on our face, probably a little bit of both. Been there, done that. Just going to own that. But when we're meek, he says we'll inherit the earth. When we submit to him fully for all things. When you submit to him to bring you comfort in your mourning. See how they start to tie together? And then finally, ask yourself, do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Like truly, do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Not your own righteousness, right? Not that let me pat myself on the back because I've got it figured out. Or I checked off my good Christian checklist today. No, do you hunger and thirst for right relationships in your own life and in the lives of others around you? Do you long to see true community?
Do you long to see people come into a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you hunger and thirst for that? And when you're not seeing people come to know Jesus and their lives being transformed by Jesus, that you're hungry, right? You desire it. You can't think of anything else. You're thirsty for it. Is that where you're at? And the ultimate question, the one I'm going to leave you with today as we close, and I really want you to wrestle with this and do some work on very simple. But if we're talking about righteousness being right relationship, the first relationship that we have to make sure is in check is your relationship with God. So let me ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus? It's not a guilt thing. That's not a, a shame thing. It's just an honest question that we need to ask ourselves, right? Because if we truly are the poor in spirit, we know that we're going to mess that up sometimes. Not that we're getting a free pass or that it's okay, but we're fallen people. But we have to constantly go back and ask ourselves this question over and over again. How is my relationship with Jesus? Is it thriving? Is it right? Am I operating within these acts of righteousness to build and maintain this relationship with my God? With my Savior, the one that set me free? Or am I just like, eh, whatever, I'll get to that later. I got an Instagram notification, let me check it out real quick. Like, the ultimate distractions we get faced with. How's your relationship with Jesus? Because before you can go any further in thinking through these things, studying these things, being set free by God's word and these blessings in your life, you have to make sure your relationship with God is in, in check. It's in good standing. Again, that doesn't mean checking things off the list. That means seeking him, hungering and thirsting for him. That's spending time with him. That's being meek and relying on him in all things. And it's him, allowing him and being open to him to comfort you in all things. How is your relationship with him? want you to work through that some this week. Maybe here's a second as the team comes forward in a minute and they begin to play. Maybe you just quietly, just to yourself, just say, God, show me how my relationship with you is going. Remove the blinders, remove the distractions, remove the roadblocks or the things that I think. Show me how our relationship really is. Be bold enough to ask that. And when he shows you, if it's not where it needs to be, which honestly is probably not, not judging you all, it's the same for me, that we need to put in the work. We need to spend some time with him. Because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus changed the game. It's not about what we can do, it's who we are and whose we are. And in Christ, we are his masterpiece. We are his children, his sons and daughters, adopted into his, fam his family. It's beautiful. He changed that. And regardless of where your situation is today, he says you're blessed. You're blessed. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you this morning and we're just so thankful and we're so thankful that you love us we're so thankful that that you came to this world you stepped into the scene you stepped into all this mess the mess that we created and you provided hope you provided healing you provided love and mercy and grace and you look us in our face as we're poor in spirit and you say you're blessed. And we know that it's not because of anything that we've done. We didn't earn that one bit. It's just because you love us. And Jesus, we are so thankful for that. And may we as a church and may we as a people and we as your church, may we truly actually live as people who are blessed and love like you loved live like you live here on this earth.
may we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not our own, but yours. Knowing that in all that, all things, we, we are nothing without you. Jesus, we thank you. As we continue in a spirit of prayer this morning, maybe you're here today and you've never really stepped over that line of faith. You've never come into a true relationship with Jesus. Heard about him. Maybe you've gone to church for a long time. But they've always just been words. Understand that God loves you. He really does. And I know sometimes people in the church and Christians and, you know, in social media, you see it all the time. We don't, we don't act like we are loved by God. And we don't love people like God loves. And maybe you've been burned by someone who claimed the name of Christ and hurt by them, pushed away from them. Know that that's not God. It's fallen, fallen people. But God loves you so much that he sent Jesus, as we've been talking about, to usher in the kingdom, which began with him living a perfect life, dying for your sin, your guilt, your shame, so that you could be set free and made right before God. And then rose victoriously, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And he did that for you. Scripture says in Romans 10, 9, simply put, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose from the grave, that you'll be saved. And it's not a prayer. It's not just these words. It's not some, you know, certain thing you have to say at a certain time in a certain way. It's just your heart connecting with God's. It's you saying to him, pouring out from your heart, however he leads, I need you. I'm nothing without you. I'm, I'm flawed. I'm not perfect. And I'm in need of a savior. And I believe that you are that. You took my place. You died and rose again. Thank you, Jesus. You come into that relationship with him. It's an act of righteousness because it begins to build that relationship with him. Not yours, but his righteousness. So if you're ready to step over that line of faith, wherever you're at, whether you're here in person, you can do it right from your seat, or if you're watching online, wherever you're at, you just call on his name how he leads. You just have conversation with him. Confess and believe. And if you have questions about that, I'm here for you. I'll talk, love to talk with you after the service, or you can reach out to me online, um, direct message on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. Um, YouTube, we'll get back in touch with you so we can walk through it. But maybe this morning or whenever you're watching, you, you are a follower of Jesus, right? You're connected with him. Yet you struggle when you mourn. You struggle to see hope. Even though you know, he says, I'll comfort you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You struggle to receive that. Man, receive that today. He says you're blessed. Allow him to help you. You don't have to face it alone. Maybe, again, you feel unimportant. Or maybe you feel too important. Time to embrace the meekness. Doesn't mean you have to be quiet. Doesn't mean you have to change your personality or anything like that. It's, it's gentle in spirit. It's knowing whose you are, that you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, yet being humble enough to love anyone and everyone that Jesus puts in front of you. It's being willing to swallow your pride in that debate or that conversation and just say, I love you, and Jesus loves you. And not in a condescending way, but truly meaning it. Be humble, meek, gentle in spirit. Or maybe you need to work on that relationship with Jesus. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, right relationships in your life, right relationships with Jesus, right relationships in the world around you. You hunger, you thirst for whatever it may be, whatever God is leading you in right now, just receive it, hear from him, and begin to move forward, knowing that he's with you, knowing that you are blessed. 
Jesus, again, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for having our back. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. I can't, I can't thank you enough because I know I need it every second of every day. Lord, may we be a church that understands that we are blessed because of you, and may we therefore go and love and serve anyone and everyone that you put before us. May that be actions and not just words. May we hunger and thirst to see lives transformed by you. And may you receive all the glory and all the praise. In your name we pray. continue on with our worship through our tithes and our offerings. Here at LifePoint Church, there's a few different ways that you can give. Um, you can give here and in person. On your way out, there's a basket and some envelopes. You can just drop it in there. Um, or you can go to our website. On top right-hand corner is an online giving button. Um, click it. It takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. Or you can use our church center app. If you're not hooked up with that, uh, we got QR codes. You can get scanned in on that. Or if you need help getting set up, I'm more than happy and willing to help you get set up on that. But that's probably the easiest way to give. Um, it's the way that I give. It's just super clean and simple. Um, so, but however you choose to give, um, again, I can't stress this enough. I'm just so thankful that, that you're being faithful in just giving back a portion of what God has blessed you with and doing so knowing that we are going to continue to try to reach as many people as we can, try to love as many people as we can. And um, that's something that we're really going to be continuing to, to push forward and push hard coming into the fall, winter, and then in 2022. Sounds crazy, but we really want to figure out different ways that we can serve our community here in West Butchel and beyond. And, and we need to be a beacon of hope and light in, in this community, and we want to continue to push and do that more and more. So I'm just thankful that you are here with your, your time and your talents and, and reaching other people, and, uh, but also with with giving as well. So just thank you all for those that are doing that. And if you're not, I can encourage you to give it a shot. And I uh, know that God will bless you um, through that. So um, also, if this is your first time here or your first time watching online, if you want to get connected with us a little more, um, you can fill out our digital connection card. If you text the word connect to the number 502-236-9446, it'll send you a link. You click that, um, you'll fill out that digital connection card and it'll get you into our system, our text alert system, as well as I encourage you to go check out that church center app. It's pretty slick. Um, 
So make sure you go to that. We're going to be using that more and more as we go forward. Um, and speaking of real quick, before we close, I know I've talked a lot. I know y'all are getting hangry. I see it in your eyes. We already talked about it. Uh, you're hungering and thirsting for canes. But um, my daughter's head just popped up real quick. She's like, yeah, for real. Um, but um, talking, speaking of the Church Center app, you know, there's, there's signups for small groups in there. We want to get more, more life groups going. So if you are interested in participating in a life group or leading or hosting a life group, I, I want you to reach out to me. You can talk to me after the service. I'm going to get your information. If you're online, send me a direct message. Um, or if you want to think about it um, and get back with me, you can send us a direct message as well. Um, we'd like to be going into the fall having three or four new life groups going. Um, the goal would be to have everyone that's part of LifePoint Church connecting outside of Sunday morning as well. And so that we can continue to do life together um, like never before. So then we can go and reach as many communities as we possibly can. So we really want to get moving with that. But we need you. We need some leaders um, to get that going. So just talk to me. Let me know. Um, we got a lot of things coming up soon. We are actually working on reopening our kids' ministry. Hopefully um, within the next month or so. Um, we are really working on that. Again, if you've been at LifePoint Church for a while and you'd like to serve in our kids' ministry, um, talk to Jen, reach out to her. Um, we're trying to get that back open. So um, I know that's been a, um, a challenge. It's been a hindrance for some people to come in person. Um, so we want to get that open, and we want to begin to invest into our kids more so like we used to so um things are moving and we're trying to to move things forward so and i'm just thankful that you're a part of it so how you can help let us know um, we we want to see it and we want you to use your skill set and your time and your talents here at life point to reach more people so i've talked enough love you guys again see i'm never quiet never happens so uh, love you guys we'll see you next week as we continue on talking about the beatitudes invite a friend We'll see you then. All right, thank you all so much for being here with us once again for LifePoint Online. If this is your first time here with us, thank you all so much for being here and hanging out with us and checking out LifePoint Church. If you'd like more information or if you have any questions, you could either drop a comment below or you can visit us on our website or any of our social media platforms. And if you have questions, just go ahead and ask and someone from our team will get back with you as soon as we possibly can. Also, if you want to continue to worship um, with your tithes and your offerings, or if you just simply want to give to LifePoint Church, you can head over to our website. It's lpc502.com. In the top right-hand corner is an online giving button. If you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. You can also begin to text to give by texting the amount that you want to give to the number 84321. But however you choose to give, we're just so thankful and humbled by the fact that you're on mission and that you're giving back just a portion of what it is that God has blessed you with. Again, thank you all so much for being here with us today. We hope that you'll join us in connecting and doing life online throughout the week. And until next Sunday, we'll see you later. Have a great one.